Okay, hello, welcome back and Happy New Year to you all. Well, Happy New Year and Lockdown. Um, this is um, the first locker room of two, two, um, the year, um, a new year here on Indie Live Radio. This is Michael and Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Merry, well, I was going to say Merry Christmas, but Happy New Year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. So. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a bit late, but what the... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, bit like the, it's a bit like when you go to a bus stop, you're a bit late for a bus. Um, so, how is your new year? What's, what's a bus What's a, What's a a bus stop, Michael? I've not seen one of them for ages. I think it's one of them in four, four wheels, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, my new. Year, I mean, it's, it's it's even though we're joking. I mean, I think you said how how's your new year been? Stuck in the house, mate. Stuck in the house. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I know. I don't know why I say that to you because you know I'm I'm starting to get fed up of saying to my mum, "Oh, how have you been? What have you been up to?" And my mum's like, "Same old, same old." Uh, <laughs> you know. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I bet the year of sport coming up, Matthew. Hopefully, we've got the European Championships, the Olympics, the Paralympics, more football, and uh, Wimbledon as well. So, bet the year for sport, and hopefully, fans will be allowed in to see it. Well, definitely. We also have the British Lions are supposed to be touring into South Africa. Um, in the summer, so I mean, it's a it is like a massive, massive year of sport. As long as, as long as number one it happens and number two fans can get in to hopefully see it. Um, two thousand and twenty one has the makings of a brilliant year of sport to make up for last year. But sadly, I don't know. Given the start to two thousand and twenty one, I'm not entirely sure that we'll make it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So let's dive right in. Because um, we always like to dive right in at the beginning um, and speak about football, um, our favourite kind of subject. It's been a, a bit of a funny um, kind of like two week period because you had go from game and then Rangers are what 19 points ahead now, and you can maybe say the league's over. Well, it's it's ironic that Rangers are nineteen points ahead, and it was COVID nineteen, so maybe there's a bit of a like um, ironicness there. But um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a strange two weeks. Nothing has really happened that I that's completely unexpected. Rangers won their games, Celtic won their games, and it was up to really the the Celtic Rangers game on what January the second was it um, that basically it all came down to, and really a must win game for Celtic and Rangers managed to win it so I think to to me you know the 19 point lead now that Rangers have while it's obviously not impossible I think I think that's the league possibly done now um, and Rangers obviously are deserved are deserved leaders and will be deserved champions of, uh, of the SPL because this year they've been outstanding and I think it was a few months ago we even suggested they might go undefeated like Brendan mm. Rodgers team did and to be honest, nothing's happened that's changed our, our, our my mind on it because Rangers have been playing poorly, I must admit, over the last two weeks. I think they've they've looked tired. I think the season's caught up with them a little bit. But they're still winning games, they're still grinding out results. Um and because of that, I think they've they've just proven themselves to be worthy winners of the league. Um so fair play to Stephen Gerrard and his squad because they've they've looked outstanding this year. And yeah, I mean I know Rangers fans don't care really about how they do it, but they, I mean there's still a chance that they could go undefeated in the league, and for that they deserve great credit. Um, and on the, obviously I think looking at the two sides together, you know while Rangers have been at their best, and I think it would have taken Celtic at their best to be able to challenge Rangers. Um, and for whatever reason, Celtic haven't been. So, you know, fair play to Rangers. They've done what they have to do. They've been terribly consistent, whether they've been playing greatly or poorly. Um, they've defended amazingly. They've got, you know, they're one of the best keepers in the game. They've got probably the best defence in the league. They've got players all over the park that can score goals. And, they, yeah, they have looked like one of the champions. And even when Celtic were playing at their best against Rangers on, on, on the old firm game, 
Celtic just couldn't create chances as much chances as they needed to. Um, some of that was down to lack of quality, but some of that was also down to great defending. But when Celtic did break through, the couple of times they did break through, they came up against the best keeper in the league. So, you know, fair play to Rangers. They've been uh, worthy, worthy league leaders. Yeah, no, exactly. And and Rangers go away to Aberdeen on Sunday. Um, we'll come back and speak about that game in a minute. But where do you stand in the whole fiasco about Celtic? Should they? Should they? Should they? Should they? <laughs> go to Dubai? I'm sure, Celtic, I'm sure Celtic players will say they should as they were sitting there enjoying their beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's two, I mean, we spoke about this before, there's, there's two arguments to this side of things. The first argument is, were Celtic allowed to go to Dubai? And the answer, I think, is Celtic were allowed to go to Dubai. Um, they asked the Scottish government, uh, at the time, the Scottish government approved it. They asked the Scottish FA uh, and SPFL. Now, the Scottish FA didn't obviously seem to have any um, issues with that back in November. The SPFL even went so far as to say to Hibs that their game on Saturday is changing to Monday night. Um, so the, the SPFL obviously were allowing Celtic to go to Dubai because they were quite happy to change Celtic Hibs game this weekend. Um, and even though Hibs were against it, I might add Hibs, put in a complaint and were quite adamant they wanted the game played at the weekend but still you know Celtic were allowed to go to Dubai and the game was allowed to be moved to the Monday so Celtic were obviously allowed to go I don't think there's an issue with that I think the second part of the argument is should they have went Um, and the answer to should they have went is no Um, Mm. I mean not only in November when they asked I mean they asked in November there was still a world pandemic bear in mind but since Celtic have asked the Covid situation has got nothing but worse. Um, obviously, there's a new strain now that's even more um, catchable, supposedly, than the old strain. Um, so, therefore, I think Celtic were quite ignorant to go. I think they were quite selfish to go. They put uh, Ultimately, they put the players at risk, but obviously the players were quite happy to go by the sounds of it. But they put Scottish football at risk in the sense that, you know, what happens if one of or more of the players come back from Dubai with Covid? So that puts games at risk. It puts seasons at risk, um, so I don't think they should they should have went from a health and um, health and safety point of view. I don't think they should have went from a general football point of view. But as we mentioned before as well, from a fans' point of view, you know Celtic fans are putting thousands upon thousands of pounds into that club for season tickets that many of them, or sorry, all of them, won't get to use most likely all season now. Uh, an average price season ticket at Celtic is probably five hundred to six hundred pounds for an adult. Um, so none of them will be able to use that ticket this year. Everybody's watched it at home on Celtic TV, but Celtic could have done the right thing at the end of May because even though uh, they've said in their terms and conditions that Celtic fans won't get a refund or aren't entitled to a refund, they could have done the right thing at the end of the season and used that Dubai money instead to refund every Celtic fan who's put in season ticket money this year and into the club while not seeing a game um, at the moment that looks like it's not happening and instead they've spent all that money on traipsing around the world with players um, who haven't done it this season to Dubai um, and I think to be honest it's a disgrace and it further says to me that you know Peter Lawwell and the board are so far removed from everyday life and far removed from mm. Celtic fans in general that I don't think they have a clue what they're doing, <laughs> they don't care and you know, we have to remember there was only protests against the board a few weeks ago, and to me, they should continue because this trip to Dubai just stinks of absolutely um, ignorance, incompetence, and lack of caring about fans or anybody else. Do Do you think as well if we go one stick further? Um, fair enough. I'm I'm about the USL get shooting went, but should we be looking at the government here? And um, should we be asking the question, who gave the say-so? Because if if someone gave the say-so, should we, be, should we not be calling for, for their head as well? I mean, it's one of those... <sighs> It's one of those things because, I mean, the Scottish government and representatives of the government that I'm sure Celtic spoke to um, would have looked at the rules at that time in November and the trip maybe fell... I mean, there's, I mean, the thing is, there's international travel all the time. I mean, the Scottish government 
for all the Scottish government can advise about international travel, I mean, I think the British government have control over who can leave the country, who can come back into the country, airfares and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the British government control that side of things. The Scottish mm. government can advise on the basis of what is the current restrictions for Celtic in November. Um, and maybe, you know, they've looked at the Scottish government restrictions, the British government's travel restrictions outside of the country internationally, and thought that Celtic legally could do it. But whether they can, whether they should, whether they can legally do it, and whether they should have done it, like I said, there's very two different things. Um, but Celtic obviously asked approval for that in November. Restrictions have changed since then. Uh, the COVID situation's changed since then. So yeah, while it might be legally doable for Celtic to travel, and they have travelled, I just think it was a complete oversight for them and reckless for them to have travelled. Um, and yeah, the Scottish government, yeah, probably did give the the approval in November but I mean it's not up to them to then say Celtic you should go or shouldn't go it's up to the government to say well can you go um, or can't you go and the answer obviously in November was you can but when December materialised and the Covid situation became apparent Celtic should have stopped it there and then. Yeah I mean I mean, the, the sugar said right okay in November yes you can go but we'll come back and review, uh, review it halfway Halfway down, uh, down the line in December, and we'll come up with an answer, you know. But to put to, as, but as you say, that going back to your point, what you were saying was they're now putting everybody at risk by coming back by playing again on Monday night against Hibs. And you, you, you never know, they, they could put the Hibs players, staff, and all that at risk because of. The coronavirus as well, and it doesn't, it doesn't look right, Matthew. To be honest with you, no. Because no. I, mean, I can tell by your voice. I can tell by your voice it doesn't sit well with you. There's just something about it. It just doesn't sit right with you, Michael. Does it with this? <laughs> no, but but the thing is, like, we're not having a one to break this year. Fair enough, right? But no, no one team has been asked to go away. No, no one team has said, "Can we go away to England or can we go away to Ireland or can we go away to whatever?" But to go away to Dubai, miles on a plane, what's that? Four hours on a plane, you know, and coming back and. It's not even that, they're putting their family at that risk as well, do you see what I mean, when, when they're coming back to Scotland. And obviously they don't have to isolate because they'll be in a special bubble and they've got a game Monday night and stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not thinking too good about this. No, and, and you know what, it makes it worse because, I mean... There's, I mean, not only did they go to Dubai and you, had the, you have this argument about whether should, they should have went. You know, we spoke about international football a few months ago. And even though Scotland did amazing and qualified and all that kind of stuff, you know, we were talking about international football should have been stopped because international travel wasn't safe at that time. And players were coming back from international duty with COVID. And this was just travel within Europe. This wasn't travel to another continent. Um mm. So you're right, I mean, that's farcical. But, you know, when they get there, you think, well, if they've travelled there, they should be doing their utmost once they're there to be safe and stay within guidelines. But, oh, no, you know, pictures come back with Celtic players sitting next to the beach next to each other with no masks and drinking beer and having a laugh and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, OK, I don't know the the uh, laws in the, in the UAE about wearing face masks or not and social distancing or not. But mm. there's rules in Scotland for that, and there's rules within the Scottish Football Association for things like this in regards to COVID. And when you see pictures of people sitting around the beach, there was, I mean, there was a picture of Duffy with, I hope it was a Celtic member of staff, but you just don't know. Um, you know, standing there talking to somebody without a mask, quite close. It just makes you think, not only are they putting themselves at risk travelling to Dubai but the, or the UAE, but when they're in the UAE, they're clearly you know, in Dubai, not following rules that they would have had to follow in Scotland. Um, 
So, you know, breaching social distancing, no masks, all that sort of stuff going on, travelling the length and breadth of the world to get to a training camp uh, that just wasn't needed, I think it's a disgrace. Um, like I said, the Celtic fans should be looking at that this club with absolute disgust. Um, another muck-up with Lawwell and the, and the management team, really. It's a PR disaster. Um, and now, obviously, do you know what? If Celtic come back and there's a positive one or more positive tests for COVID and that Celtic Hibs game is at risk. The game should be postponed. Celtic should be given a 3-0 defeat because this is all they're doing. Mm. No, no, exactly, yeah. So you're, you're listening to the locker room on Indy Vega on a Friday night, well, first one of the new year. Hey, good to be back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> positive. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, um, if you missed our special show in Boxing Day, speaking about women's sport, you can get that on the podcast uh, channel. Just go to the Indie Live uh, and saw the Indie Regal website, and you you can find it on there. Okay, Matthew, let's speak about the football. Uh, yeah, rather than Celtic this week. Um, <laughs> of course, Celtic was a big story, but let's speak about another big story this week. Dungie and I kick in St. Johnson. Now, before we get to that game, Matthew, um, it came out this week that uh, Dungie and I kick um, and, and Dungie and I kick players and staff is to kick a wig's cut um, because... I presume it's to do with the coronavirus thing. And, but to be honest, Matthew, this is not the first time we spoke about this issue that teams, teams um, um, taking wigs cuts. It's happening all across the board because they're losing out in fans not turning in. Uh, they're, they're losing um, fans by not turning up at the game and, and all that and hospitality. And it's quite sad um, because Dundee and Nike did one of our bigger teams outside of the old firm, maybe Hearts or Hibs, and uh, they, they're taking a wage cut as well. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you know, I mean, I think several other premiership clubs have had reductions or deferrals in place since, you know, when COVID first started, and Dundee United now have just fallen into that category as well. Um, I mean, it's good that obviously the Dundee United players, I think in this regard, have agreed to take a wage cut. So it's quite good that Dundee United are actually talking to players about cost-cutting um, and Dundee United players are obviously looking at it. The, the main thing on this was that Dundee United have said that everything's on the table in regards to cost-cutting, but redundancies are completely off the table. So there'll be no redundancies whatsoever in regards to players or management or staff leaving the club. So that's the main thing. It's just purely about Dungeon United being able to survive um, the COVID situation, really. And, you know, I think we all kind of thought when, when clubs started to do these reductions that by this time, everybody would be back in stadiums and we'd be all kind of back mm-hmm. to a sort of semi-normality and clubs could maybe go back to helping out the players by paying them the wages, uh, either normal or at a normal rate, or even paying back any deferrals that were in place. Um from the from the original point of COVID entering the market. So um, I think that, you know, Dundee United players have obviously agreed to it because they now know that that's the, that's the sort of, that's the situation Dundee United are in. Um, there's no way to continue the way it's going without fans in the, in the, in the stadiums. Um, and like I said, Dundee United have said there'll be no redundancy. So that's the main thing. People will keep their jobs. It's just unfortunately there will have to be a wage cut for Dundee United to get through this pandemic period. Um, and also you've obviously, got the manager as well, Mickey Merrin, taking a wage cut. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. I think everybody across the board is, is pitching in with this and it's not just you know the players or high-profile players that are, are taking wage cuts. It's Everybody's agreed to these reductions to allow everybody to maintain... Um, employment and I think that's a good thing I think Dungeon United also you know, used the Westminster's uh, furlough scheme um, to try and sort of stem the cut of money coming in at the COVID-19 um, pandemic and that had worked to a certain extent but like I said I think everybody kind of thought 
people would be back in the stadiums by January. But now it looks like they won't. We all won't be back into stadiums until maybe even next season. So I think Dundee United are taking a sort of well, they're taking the only stance they can take in a in this sort of um, in this situation and trying to keep people in jobs, but being honest about it and saying what's possible. But you know, the Scottish government has announced that Premiership teams can claim a share of twenty million pounds low on loans, which I think is one point seven million for each club and Dundee United are entitled to one point seven million loan, but obviously one you have to pay that back and two, I don't think clubs have got access to it just yet. So Dundee United are looking at the reality of the situation and thinking, Well, we need to start taking cuts and we have to start taking them now. Um but it's not a you know run of the mill thing. I think you know they've been talking about cost cuts since October, and the owner has said you know like I said the owners have said that um, there's no redundancy, so players are being realistic about it and taking the reductions as as they can to help the club. And also um, we were, we were talking about Dundee and Lakey, but we might be back here in a few weeks' time speaking about another club. Uh, taking uh, wage cuts as well, but I just showed you that um, this coronavirus has hit a lot of people, not only you know people in the game, but also fans as well, and it's going to hit the uh, big time for big um, big teams as well. It's going to hit them right in the pocket. But they, yeah, I mean, Dundee United are a prime example of that because, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't go to Dubai, for example, either. But, I mean, even just, just the illness itself, you know, Dundee United mm. have done everything right. Yeah, they had, the, they had COVID hit the training camp recently and it showed what a mess COVID can cause to a training complex as a whole and our, training, and our first team squad. So it just shows you not only, you know, financially, but if COVID gets into a squad, it can cause havoc and... That's another reason why I think Celtic are quite reckless about this because Dungeon United did everything right and they've done everything right. But all it takes is one person to get it through any source and, you know, the first team can be decimated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, and then, so on the part tomorrow, Matthew, they play a Tessie Derby against Johnson um, at Talladice. To be honest with you, it looks a very interesting game, this one. Yeah, I mean, Dundee United, United are actually doing not too bad. I mean, when you when you look at how they've started, the, the fact that they've just came up to the Premier League, um, they're sitting, what, in sixth place in the, in, in the table. They've only lost, what, one game in the last five. Um, they, they look, well, I mean, they're pretty cemented in the top six. I mean, I don't think at the moment, I mean, St. Mirren have games in hand, but they don't look like they're, they're too in danger of coming out of it. And if you were to offer Dundee United at the start of the season when you know people were looking at their best players as well and they just, bear in mind, they just had a new manager coming too. If you were to offer them Dundee United at the start of the season, you'll, you'll be in sixth place and quite safe by January. I think the fans would have ripped your hands off, hand off for it. Um, so it's a good start. St. Johnson are a bit more precarious. They've lost three of the last five. Um, they've not won in five, so... Um, it's a big game for St Johnson to try and clear themselves at the bottom of the table because um, while Ross County they played 22 and are on 17 points are a bit cemented you know Motherwell have got a couple of games in hand on them at the moment uh, Hamilton have a game in hand on St Johnson too so if St Johnson don't start picking up results they could be in serious trouble uh, going into this game and I can't see anything other than a Dundee United victory to be honest because they've been playing so well recently that um I think St. John's no struggle. Yeah. Um, so what, what about the other game then t- tomorrow, Camarok against Hamilton? Well, Hamilton are precariously placed as well. I mean, the, Hamilton, I mean, I don't know where Hamilton go with this because, I mean, they, I always say they'll go down and they always seem to survive. Um, but they've, they've won two of the last five. Um, they're up and down, so you never really know what St John's, what Hamilton team will turn up. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how this game will go. All I know is it is a big game, and travelling to Kamarnock is for even the bigger teams. Travelling to Kamarnock can be a difficult task. Um, but Kamarnock have had a bit of upheaval this week as well. Um, I mean, yeah. I know he's not been starting as much as. Um, as he normally does, but obviously Brophy's decided that he's played um, 
you know, he's 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 leaving Kilmarnock in the summer, and he's joining Saint Mirren. Um, now that's caused a little bit of a problem in the sense that I think Alex Dyer, the Kilmarnock manager, has come out and said, "Well, if it's up to if it's up to me, I think he should go now, because if he doesn't want to be here, he shouldn't be playing." And I I can understand that sort of logic. So um, it's caused a little bit of upheaval in the Kilmarnock camp. Um, and I think if it had happened last season, um, it might have damaged Kilmarnock a lot more than it will do. Um, but he's not been doing, playing as much as he would have normally been playing. So it might not have as much of an effect as before. But it's, obvi- it's obviously showing that in the camp, um, all was not as well as maybe it could be. They're obviously down at the wrong end of the table as well. Um, but, I mean, on paper, I would say Kilmarnock probably have too much for, for Hamilton, especially at Kilmarnock. If this was at Hamilton, I might have thought otherwise, but Kilmarnock is quite a tough place to go, especially with the pitch. Yeah, and I mean, just a quick mention, Matthew, um, we, do, don't really, um, we don't like really speaking about this on the show, but um, over Christmas, um, the Kilmarnock fans are, are kind of section of the Kilmarnock fans Send a record to Alex Dyer now. We are, we're not privy to what's on that letter, and to be honest, we don't really want to see it because apparently it was getting a bit nasty and all that. But there's no room for that in football. No, I mean it's. I mean you can't you can't be any more simple than just saying it's 21st century Scotland. Um, why are people still persisting in racist behaviour? Because, mm. um, like, it, I mean, it actually saddens me that we're still talking about stuff like this because, mm. especially with the Black Lives Matter thing, everything that's been going on, um, even in Ireland, we had an incident over Christmas and New Year with um, a black person being shot dead by the Gardaí oh. um, and, and racist incidents going on here. I, I just can't believe that it's still going on. Um, and like we were talking about sectarian behaviour, like we were talking about anti-Irish behaviour, same thing with this. Which it should just be stamped in the bud. Whoever, if anybody's caught and from this incident, should be basically just jailed. I mean, I, I just can't. I, I just can't see in this day and age why or how racist behaviour can still go on. It's a disgrace. They should be banned. Full stop. They're not. They're they're not Kilmarnock fans. Yeah, well, <clears throat> of course, we, we don't really want to waste a lot of time speaking about this issue, but at the same time, we want to scamp out of football. And as you say, I mean, this is the 21st century, and, you know, speaking about issues like that, it's kind of dragging society back away. Yeah, I mean, just quickly as well, you know, we were talking about, you know, that letter coming in, you know, Neil Lennon was talking about that because he obviously has experience of stuff mm. like that. And, you know, he's coming out also and just, I mean, he just looks kind of bewildered that things like this are going on. Um, and then obviously, you know, just after that letter and everybody's obviously um, rightly so criticising whoever sent it and um, obviously amazed that it's still going on. You know, we have the Celtic Rangers game at Ibrox and we have Celtic players getting out of the bus at Ibrox and being subjected to sectarian chants. Um, and that can't be obviously nice for them. Some of them, most of the people, the players aren't actually from from Glasgow anyway. So most of them are probably bewildered at what's going on anyway, especially the new players are probably thinking, what is going on? Um, but they were subjected to that. And then obviously under the Kingston Bridge, um, there was a sign um, painted on to the bridge saying, kill all tags. Um, and that went under the radar in Scottish media. But, you know, I think that all of this ties in that any sort of racism or sectarianism, whatever form it is, should just be stopped and stopped now. Because mm. we are, if COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us that we're all in this together. We're all human beings. And the fact that this is still going on is just ignorance of the top order. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, well, we'll say. Um, so one more game tomorrow, St Mirren against um, uh, um, Marwell, who has got a new manager, Graham Alexander, after Steve Robertson resigned last week. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was sad that he resigned because I think he ultimately is a decent manager. He, he's done obviously okay for Motherwell. They've not had a good start to the season. Um, they've not been at their best. Um, I will say that for them. They're obviously languishing in the 11th, although they do have two games in hand. So, I mean, what, they're on 17 points. 
if they'd won their two games in hand, they'd have been up to um, what seventh on the table. So it, it was. It's not a complete disaster for Motherwell, but obviously he left. Uh, and eight days later, um, they've appointed Graham Alexander to Motherwell now. I, I, I must admit, I was a bit surprised about this. I mean, there was people in the often for Motherwell that I thought they were actually a, a better choice, possibly. Um, you know, especially the old St. Johnson manager, for example. The job that he did for St. Johnson, keeping them in the top flight, letting them complete, compete at the higher echelons of the SPFL, I thought he would have been a better choice um, for manager of, of Motherwell. I think Simon Grayson was also involved as well. Now, I think he also would have been a good choice. Um, but, you know, Graham Alexander, I think, was a bit of a shock as such. I mean, he... He he did play for Scotland, um, would you believe at the start of the twenty first century? Um, but he didn't set the set the world on fire as such. I mean I think he um Yeah, I think it a... came I think it came about out of kinda if you want to say in football terms about a left field. Yeah, I mean he did he, you know, he he was one of those players as well. He he played for Burnley, I think. I mean he did he, he was a steady player who played internationally for Scotland, but didn't set the world on fire. Um, and as a manager, he's kind of continued with that. I mean, he's he managed Fleetwood Town, I think. Um, he guided them to 10th place in the league, he, but he was sacked, you know, just a month into the 2015-16 season. He was at Scunthorpe. Um, did okay there-ish. Um, but obviously, the big thing, I think, he was at Salford City. Now, Salford City were obviously backed by... Um, Right, people like Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butt and Gary Neville, um, and they put Alexander in charge. And he actually at Salford probably had his his best spell in, in football management. He he steered them to the football oh, playoff. I, I forgot he was at Salford. Yeah, how could you forget that? I know, that's bad. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but he was there, obviously. And obviously, Salford City do have a lot of money put in. But you know, people like Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butt obviously know football a little bit and put their faith in Alexander. And he did steer them to you know the football league. Um, mm. He got them to what eleventh last term, and it obviously was ended because of COVID. So we don't know how that would have really ended up. But he finished eleventh, um, and they also reached the final of the EFL trophy um, but obviously he was sacked five games into the current campaign uh, but Salford were fifth place in League 2 but they obviously just weren't um, you know, they weren't doing exactly what maybe the class of 92 were hoping Salford would have done and he was sacked you know five games in um, and I guess Motherwell um, have been successful in you know um, promoting the younger players number one you know but the vault number one, like Turnbull, obviously is a prime example going off to Celtic. So they can they can get young players and develop them and sell them on for big money. But Motherwell have also been good about getting players sort of from the English lower leagues, such as the league he's just came from, the Salford, and developing them them into good players. Now I think that's maybe why he, he was sold on the Motherwell model, because he obviously has been in the lower leagues of English football. He knows it really well. And maybe he fits into that model of of being able to do that of finding lower league players and developing them. But that's even more important with Brexit because teams like Motherwell obviously are not going to be able mm. to develop people for our players from the EU as much as they would have done before. It'll be harder to get these players in. Therefore, like we said, I think before in the last show, I think lower league English players will become even more important at the moment. And Alexander does have experience in the lower league of English football. So it might just be that he does fit into the Motherwell model maybe better than um, any other candidate for this job. Okay, let's speak about the two games on Sunday. Um, well, well, we'll come back and speak about Aberdeen Rangers in a minute, but a, a weird story this week, Matthew, about Livingston and Ross County. This game, was, this game was meant to be played tomorrow, but it's been moved to Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's... A, I mean, I thought Livingston had a plastic pitch to avoid all these calls off. I mean, I don't know if they're like you, but I, I assumed that yeah. I assumed the plastic pitch couldn't freeze. Um, but there you go, Livingston had the call off. Um, was it a week or two ago with a frozen pitch? Um, yeah, they game like, last week, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then this weekend, obviously the game has been moved to the from the Saturday to the Sunday because I think we're all in for a deep freeze over the next few days. 
and obviously Livingston have taken the precaution of doing that, which is which is well, it's sensible. It's definitely sensible. I mean, I live by the coast at the moment. Would you believe in it? Never freezes here, but there's ice everywhere. There's snow everywhere. It's cold, you know. And Livingston, at the best of times, is a cold place. Um, it's a it, when it gets cold, Livingston's at freezing point, and I think they've done the right thing in moving it. Um, just to make sure that the artificial pitch is ready. But I do find it amazing. I mean, if an artificial pitch freezes, then we're all in trouble. Um, and it's it's just a strange scenario to be in when other grass pitches are going ahead, but this pitch is freezing. But, you know, like I said, Livingston is cold. We're in a bit of a cold snap at the moment. There's lots of games called off. I mean, I think the the Scottish Cup has been affected by call-offs this weekend. Um, other games have been called off as well and I think Livingston have probably done the sensible thing in postponing it uh, with low temperatures forecast over the next few days so uh, and I don't know how I don't know if the frozen pitch will have an impact in the game but I hope it doesn't for Livingston's sake because I watched Livingston Hibs uh, only a few days ago they're looking they're looking for the their six straight league one Livingston um, yeah, since Martin Dale's yeah Oh, do you know what? I watched them against Hibs, like I said. It's a, one of the best performances I've seen all season. It mm. was just the pace, the quality, the commitment, everything about Livingston impressed me. I'm not surprised they won six straight games after playing like that. So I just hope the weather doesn't impact this game too much because, like I said, Livingston are a joy to watch at the moment. Um, but on the other hand, you know, maybe Ross County are hoping that the game is affected a little bit because, on the other hand, Ross County are looking at um, being bottom of the table. They've lost three of the last five, so maybe they're hoping the pitch can affect um, can affect the game because... Livingston could be in to hammer Ross County this weekend otherwise. Well, uh, if you think it's Colgan, um, Livingston, Matthew, Clarkey go up to Aberdeen this weekend because that's where Aberdeen's playing Rangers um, and that's a TV game this weekend. But it's the game of the weekend. By miles, the game of the weekend. Um, Aberdeen have won three of the last five. They're on a really good run of form at the moment, especially as is always, you know, Pataudry is a really difficult place to go. Um, and they're up against, though, unfortunately, probably the one team that have always tend to have the beating of Aberdeen and um, Aberdeen struggle against Rangers, who have won five of the last five. Um, coming into this game, they've won 20 of 22 league games this season. So it's, a, it's the game of the weekend. It's a really tough one. I can't see anything other than a Rangers win. But again, if Rangers are serious about winning this league and if Celtic are to have any chance really of coming back, really, um, Aberdeen Rangers is the toughest place to go. And if Rangers win this, then I think that just cements the fact that they're going on to win the league. But if Aberdeen can pull off a shock um, and then Celtic obviously play Hibs on Monday night, it could, it could open the Premiership up again a little bit. But yeah, I think Aberdeen, even though they're on a great run of form, I just can't see anyone stopping Rangers at the moment. They've only they've only conceded five and twenty-two. They've scored fifty-seven and twenty-two. They're great at both ends of the pitch. And Aberdeen, while they're prob while they are the third best team in Scotland at the moment, I think it might just be too much for them. But it's a really interesting game, and um, I'm really looking forward to it, Petodre. Yeah, and as you said, Matthew, the one more game out, Scangan game on Monday night. Celtic against Hibs, and we're not going into Celtic Dubai, um, but um, there you go. And um, Hibs, that was the last time Celtic came up with a, a point at East Garoga, two each game against Hibs. Yeah, I mean, Hibs, Hibs, are a, Hibs have obviously done quite well this season, but over the last few games, they've been pretty... Av or they've been pretty average, I would suggest. I mean, they've lost three of the last five. Um, they they look like a team is in need of a little bit of a break. So even though I was saying before about Celtic, you know, Hibs not wanting to have, have had that little extra few days to um, play Celtic. I think ironically enough, now that as we got closer to the game, I think them having an extra few days off was quite beneficial to Hibs because they did look like they were in need of a rest. The the form had just hit a bit of a rock bottom sort of thing. They'd lost to you know, teams that they should be beating, you know, Ross County um, came to Easter Road and were outstanding, you know, um, 
then Livingston, obviously, even though they're a tough, tough nut to crack at the moment, you'd have expect Hibs to have beaten Livingston and Ross County at Easter Road, um, and both of them came away with points. So I think Hibs were in need of a little bit of a break. You're hoping that that's maybe refreshed them a little bit um, going into the game at Celtic. Celtic obviously haven't been to Dubai well, having a little bit of a break for themselves, but the traveller might impact Celtic a little bit. So the game at Celtic Park now might not be as clear um, clear as everybody expects it to be. I mean, I would expect mm. Celtic to win, but if Hibs bring their A game to Celtic Park and have Celtic having just travelled back from Dubai, you never know. You never know. But yeah, I mean, Celtic, Celtic can't drop any more points between now and May. They just no. can't. Um, they just can't. So you'd, you'd expect Celtic to win that game. But Hibs, again, like I said, tough nut to crack. Hopefully the break's done them good and we could be in for a good game at Celtic Park as well. OK, what about the NFL, Matthew? The NFL? See, I never thought, I, I, I never thought that would be... Um, you'd be excited to hear about the NFL. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. <laughs> I wanted the football out of the way so that we could go on to the real ball stuff. Oh, that I know it's so yeah, so excited. You skipped the rugby. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. hear about the NFL first. No, no, yeah. it's good. Yeah, I never know where your priorities lie, Mike. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we know Michael's an NFL fan now. So I, I think uh, what, I think that I think that's because um, I kind of like flew Matthew with that one. <laughs> he wasn't expecting NFL <laughs> before the paper legal. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. You th- you did throw me a little bit. I was ready to talk about the British Lions, but uh, yeah, I mean the NFL obviously is going to be very interesting over the next three weekends because we're at real football now. You know, we're at the playoff round of games now. Um, this weekend, there's basically six games spread across Saturday and Sunday. So if you're going to be watching NFL this weekend, it's a real treat for you. So your wives, your wives or your partners um, might kill you. But um, you know, we're looking at nine. You're looking at nine, ten hours of football here over Saturday and Sunday. So it's brilliant. Um, wow. I mean, I'm yeah, and obviously Sunday, Sunday the seventh of February is the date we're all looking to now because the playoffs start this weekend. But on the seventh of February is where the Super Bowl happens in Tampa Bay. So we're all kind of everything now is gearing up to that. And I kind of thought, looking at the playoffs. Um, I'll look at some players that I think might make a difference over this weekend and may make a difference in the whole Super Bowl picture. And the first person I went for, people won't be surprised to hear this, is Tom Brady. Uh, Tampa Bay are playing Washington uh, on Sunday, uh, or Sunday here. It's at one fifteen in the morning if you want to stay up and watch it. So it's Sunday morning. Um, so the that, I mean, Tom Brady, he's looking obviously uh, inspiring. He's just inspired Tampa Bay to their first playoff appearance since 2007. Uh, he's thrown like 40 touchdown passes this year, and I think it's his best return for 13 years. So he he's coming into the playoffs playing quite well, especially given that the team that he's just left, New England Patriots, were awful this year. So he's went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, turned things around, and the Patriots have just absolutely stumped the place out. So it just shows you how important Tom Brady is to that team. Um, I don't think Tampa Bay will win the whole Super Bowl thing, but it'd be very, very stupid of me not to say that Tom Brady will not have any impact in the playoffs at all. So I think Tampa Bay will come through this weekend, and while I don't think they'll win it, I think he'll have an impact on um, the playoff picture somewhere for him. The other game on another game on Sunday is my team, really, my um, Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears are playing the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints will win unfortunately, but um, it was good that the Bears got there in the first place. Um, best player, I think, probably out of this game will be Alvin Kamara. He's scored 21 touchdowns this season for um, for New Orleans Saints, even with uh, Drew Brees, the current quarterback, being injured at some points to the season. Um, Alvin Kamara has just been absolutely superb, but like I said, scored 21 touchdowns, and I think he'll be on form this weekend to probably beat the Bears and then go on to have an impact in the future games. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are playing the Buffalo Bills and freeze and freeze in Buffalo. Talk about Livingston being called uh, Buffalo's <laughs> Baltic. So, but it's funny because Buffalo can get their game on but Livingston can't, in irony. Um, so I think Stefan Stefan Diggs 
will be the player to watch in this game. He's had 1,535 receiving yards in the NFL this year, um, even while playing with them. Have you been counting them, Matthew, one by one? No. Uh, not quite, but you see, I play NFL, um, play, uh, what do you call it, fantasy football, so it pays to know these things. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, I've just shot on Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stefan Diggs has ran 1,535 yards and uh, Scott Brown's ran one yard this year. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> so I think Stefan Diggs will be the player to watch in that one and I think the Buffalo Bills will come into this one. Um, this one, uh, the next one is Baltimore Ravens are playing the Tennessee Titans. And this game's funny because my daughter is a Tennessee Titans fan and her boyfriend is a Baltimore Ravens fan. So it's almost like a bit of a, a Lingard derby um, this weekend at Tennessee. Um, I I don't like saying this too much and picking sides because obviously one of them will hate me and one of them will like me. But I'm going to go with the boyfriend's side. I think Baltimore <laughs> Ravens might have a bit of a... I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I've said Brave it now. I, I mean, Tennessee will be the favourites, but I think Baltimore might be in for a bit of a shock. And I think the reason is Lamar Jackson. Um, he's been absolutely dominant this year as a quarterback for the Ravens. Uh, they've had a five-game winning streak that has fired them really into the playoffs this year. Uh, Jackson has thrown 13 touchdowns and rushed for seven in the last few games. And he's looked electric in the last half season, really. And I think... You know, the Ravens will recover. They lost to the Tennessee Titans last year. I think hopefully they might reverse it um, and Jackson will have a say in that. So I think the, the boyfriend's team might go through this weekend. Um, and my last game is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, or the last game, I'm saying the last player. The last player who I think might have an impact on the Super Bowl, and I think he will win the MVP. I think he will win the Super Bowl for this team. But ironically enough, they're not playing because they're the first, they've got a bye this weekend. Um, because they finished top of the AFC but I think the player who will have the most say in the playoffs as a whole he's, like I said he's not playing this weekend but he will have the most impact is Patrick Mahomes um, who like I said he might be in for MVP again he's been he's looked impossible to stop personally him and tight end Travis Kelsey and wide receiver Tyreek Hill have been nearly unstoppable in the NFL this year um, and I think even though they've got a bye um, and aren't playing, I think they'll be coming into the next round fresh. And I think Patrick Mahomes will have a say. And Kansas City Chiefs will probably go on and repeat the Super Bowl. But I mean, you never know. That's the beauty of the NFL. Um, but Kansas City look favourites at the moment, I would suggest. Um, but there's some cracking games this weekend, and it's well worth a watch. So there you go. There's not a big game in American Fool, there's a, a big game in Mavs' house at the weekend, so if you want to watch it, <laughs> um, you can look out for the photos on Facebook Live. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so maybe it's first on before I get into trouble as well. Um, let's go back <laughs> to rugby. <laughs> yeah, Michael's third favourite sport now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not been there's not been too much happening. I mean, this weekend, obviously, the big game this weekend is uh, tonight and uh, an hour. Glasgow uh, Warriors are playing Edinburgh, so the big derby. Um, I mean, history books suggest that really there's very little to separate Glasgow and Edinburgh over the years. I'd say Glasgow used to um, when I used to have a season ticket for one of these sides. I won't say which one. Um, basically, Edinburgh used to yeah. I mean, Edinburgh used to dominate this game. Uh, so Glasgow used to dominate this game over Edinburgh completely. Glasgow were unstoppable. But the last couple of years, Edinburgh have come back into it a little bit. Um, and, you know, Edinburgh, Edinburgh's gritty 10-7 victory at sort of Murrayfield um, pushed them to 19 wins from 39 meetings with Glasgow over recent, recent years. So, you know, Glasgow dominated at the start. Edinburgh started to catch up. Um, but still, you know, there's very little between these two sides and it could go either way. Um, both outfits, obviously, have been really some of the best teams in the Pro 14. I mean, even though European-wise, they've struggled. Glasgow have always been up near the top, uh, give or take. Edinburgh, like I said, have started to follow that up a little bit, um, earning sort of, you know, playoff places and things like that. So Edinburgh are catching up. They're quite level. Their league credentials are quite level at the moment. Um, 
I don't know how this will go. I'll, I'll say maybe because it's at Glasgow, Glasgow might be slight favourites, but um, you just never know how this how this game's going to go and you know who's finally going to win um, win the trophy here. But I, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's going to be a really tough game for for both sides and both. They've, not, they've struggled a little bit, but the Edinburgh have came. They've started to come good in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good derby. It's always good to see these games before the Six Nations start. Um, and we can all see kind of Scotland's players and how they're coming into it in regards to Six Nations um, contention. And, and that's really the ultimate aim. I mean, Pro 14's good on and all. But I think most of these games are geared up for, um, you know, who's going to get into the Scotland side come February and March time for the big one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well because I forgot to mention at the top of the show about the the Six Nations and uh, usually um, again hopefully there'll be like fans back in there because that's one sport where you make an atmosphere Matthew especially at the at, um, when England plays Scotland or, or whoever in that competition because there's some big games in that Six Nations yeah. as well. I mean, I used to love it because you'd have Edinburgh, Glasgow. There was only, I think they play more often now because of the way the Pro 14s worked out. But they used to have the two games, you know, you'd have them at, say, Fur Hill, where it used to be, or now at their new stadium. Or you'd have the other one at Murrayfield, and you'd get to see Scotland's best players clash in the Edinburgh, Glasgow game. And then you'd obviously get the Six Nations squad announced. And then you would obviously go to the Six Nations. And going to a Six Nations game is just one of the best things you can do, sporting wise. Mm. Um, it's just a really good it shows football up a little bit because you can go there you can meet people you can have a drink with them you can have a laugh you can enjoy the sport um, well not so much Scotland because we've tended to not do as well as we should have done over recent years um, but you can enjoy the occasion and um, apart from the England game you can enjoy the occasion um, so the England game is a bit different I can't enjoy that one that's just tense but Scotland England Scotland sorry Scotland Ireland Scotland Wales Scotland France I always enjoy going to those ones and it doesn't look like I'll be able to make it this year which is a real shame um, and I'll miss Six Nations going to it but it'll be good watching it on TV and you know it's, it is what it is I think we all have to look after our own health but maybe 2022 um, me and you can go to a few Six Nations games if you like me, cool. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah, and Matthew can buy me a pint. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, keep it here because this year we're, we're going to try and get people in from rugby, uh, women's sports as well, and also hopefully Matthew will be at Wembley for the big Scotland Gangling game as well. <laughs> I know, and it's, it, you know, I'm really looking forward to these things, and I'm trying not to get too excited because the chances are there's a chance that obviously I might not get to go uh, for whatever reason. But you know, I'm looking forward to you know some big footballing games coming up this year, hopefully. Um, and I know you are too because we'll finally get back into football. I was yeah. looking forward to some Six Nations games, like you mentioned before. Uh, I'm specifically looking forward to Scotland England at Wembley in Euro 2020. So I'm. You know, really geared up for that, and the Shinty as well. Um, coming up in September, you know, their big final. I was really looking forward to that too. That we could be going to. The, so you know, it, there's a lot of things going on. Um, oh, and also uh, one I slagged you off for forgetting earlier on. I've just about forgot it as well. The British and Irish Lions. Um, oh, yeah, they're yeah, supposed yeah. to be playing. I know you forgot, and I had to pop at you, and then I forgot. So you can have a pop back, Michael. <laughs> um, I mean that that occasion is obviously massive. It's one of the biggest occasions in in rugby is the British and Irish Lions, uh, and they are due to be going to South Africa this year, which is obviously a massive tour. But you know that's another one that could be called off. But there's rumours there that the tour in South Africa, if fans are not allowed to go, will be cancelled, and the tour will actually take place in the UK um, and Scotland and Ireland. So. You could have games for the British and Irish Lions instead of being in South Africa. These games could be in Edinburgh, Dublin, Cardiff and London. So mm-hmm. could, the tour could be a lot closer to home than we thought. And don't forget, you've got Rangers coming up next uh, month. Um, is it fe- it's the end of February, I think, at the last 32 of the, the Europa Cup. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a. That, I mean, it's massive, obviously, for Scottish football. It's massive for Rangers because Rangers are obviously showing uh, what they can do domestically. But you know, what I mean, like the reason why I want all Scottish teams to do well, um, generally, but obviously Rangers in this specific case is that you know, well, it's good for Rangers if they do well. It's great for Scottish football in general if they do well as well because of the coefficient points. And also, the better they do well, the more teams we can get into Europe higher up the stages of qualifications mm. as where we are at the moment. So, you know, that's another massive occasion. Um, so, it's it's all looking it's all looking positive if teams can finally do what they need to do. Um, and that's good. But also, the Shinty, you know, I was mentioning the Shinty too, just to... You know, I, I was joking with you, but it's true. Um, the national sport of Scotland, because it's the only sport that we actually do well internationally, and um, is the Shinty hurling thing. So normally Scotland beat Ireland, so we do quite well. So Shinty should be our national sport. Um, they are actually looking. The positive news for Shinty is that they are actually looking at um, meeting as a board at the end of February, and after guidance and um, from sort of the Scottish government and local authorities, hopefully they'll be able to share with clubs uh, the potential start dates and how pre-season competitions will look in regards to Shinty hopefully starting up um, maybe February, March, April time. So hopefully we'll have a bit of guidance in regards to COVID, but hopefully it's good news so the Shinty can start and we can have hopefully have potential start dates for all competitions in Shinty. And... Uh, Right enough, we could be finally going up to the final in the Highlands in September. Yeah, no, no, that would be good. And uh, don't forget, if you want to hear any sport that we haven't spoken about so far in the locker room, how dare we? Um, you can email us at lockerroomindylive at gmail.com. That's lockerroomindylive at gmail.com and just to mention as well Matthew that member in Boxing Day that means you've done a special show looking at women's sports well you can you can listen to that on the website just go to Indie Live got regular and you can um, hear us on the podcast uh, channel uh, just, just look for women in sport uh, Boxing Day special and you can find the whole show on there but uh, of course yeah um, so we, we started the show back in when was it June last year and um, we want to continue right into the new year well next, next year or whatever so if you want to if we haven't spoken about sports before the Shinky or whatever um, you can let us know and we can give a mention because we we like to mention we like to speak about every uh, sport, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, well, just talking about Shinty as well. There was another bit of news in regards to Shinty. Just to um, jump in, um, mm-hmm. this doesn't happen in Shinty. This doesn't happen in Shinty very much. Harlan over here, they have helmets. Shinty has a lot long tradition of not wearing helmets. However. There's been a high proportion of head and facial injuries recently, uh, which has resulted in sort of the under-17 Shinty game maybe starting to wear helmets a bit more. But from 2030, Shinty Shinty players will now have to wear helmets and face guards. Um, Now, I I think from a safety point of view, it's a must. Um, Obviously, I think, like I said, Shinty has a tradition of not wearing helmets, so it'll be a bit of a blow to those with a sort of tradition of not wearing helmets, but you know, from 2030, um, players will be made to wear helmets and face guards. So that'll be a change in Shinty if you're watching that. Um, but it was, you know, nearly unanimously. I think there was a vote in 42 out of 42 clubs. 37 were in favour of um, of that um, of the 2030 rule. I think mm. there was a there was a, there was a sort of vote to have it earlier, but that failed. So most players want to wear. Uh, masks and uh, sorry helmets and face guards but it won't be done until 2030 but another piece of news just quickly to end on uh, the FA Cup tonight is starting in England with the big the big boys coming in and there's an interesting game coming up at Villa Park in an hour that um, it was originally looking like it'll be off because Aston Villa's whole first team's gone with Covid and the squad and the management team are gone with Covid but good luck to um, Mark Delaney 
and Aston Villa's under 23 side tonight when they come up against Liverpool yeah. it'll be a tough ask <laughs> yeah that's a weird one isn't it um, under 23 and when you're speaking about FA Cup in England um, the Scottish Cup continues up here in Scotland see what I did there Matthew um, there's, a ga- <laughs> there's a game on uh, Queen of the South uh, versus Queen's Park and that's on the BBC Scotland channel but also there's a game on BBC tomorrow I think that's uh, Dundee so it's again it's very good how uh, the BBC uh, are covering the, the first and second round of the Scottish Cup but yeah the FA Cup is on in England this weekend so you'll get back to back on that one uh, over the weekend so thanks for listening to the show and we'll be back next week here on Indie Live Radio keep it here with some the, the best music and the best presenters here apart from me Matthew <laughs> we'll be back next well, Friday that's a <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh, we'll be back next Friday 6 o'clock live here Indie Live Radio <laughs>